I think for Munster, for them in order to get a performance and a result, they need to concentrate on how well they've played over the last eight weeks since that kind of post Six Nations win. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel and the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. 8.52, time for us to turn our attention to the weekend's hurling and I'm delighted to say Aidan Taggy Fogarty is with us. Aidan, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, guys. How are you? A uh, very interesting weekend of hurling results. Uh, many teams in crisis. Some teams who we thought were in crisis suddenly wriggle off the, the crisis hook. Um, looking at you, Wexford and Cork. Let's start, though, with um, what we're all looking forward to now most over the next couple of weeks is a two-week build-up to the next handshake between Henry Shefflin and Brian Cody. You couldn't have scripted it, or you could, and we all would have lapped it up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was um, it was a strange weekend of hurling. All right, yeah, geez, a lot of teams there. But thought at the beginning of the year were were contenders for the Ireland. Ireland. Uh, just just went out with a flop. But um, two weeks time, Kilkenny and Galway. Yeah, in, in uh, Croke Park, um, it's going to be very interesting. I think the media and everyone else will be building up the handshake. Um, as I said before, I wonder will even show the game. Will it just be the handshake for seventy minutes? Uh, it'll it'll be it'll be very interesting uh, to see what the what the story is. But it's going to be a t- total different game. Obviously, Galway pipped us in Salt Hill uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, that'll be a bit of a driving force for this Kilkenny team. And um, they they won't like that, and it will uh, you know it, it'll drive them on a, li- a little bit. Um, with Kilkenny, it's hard to know. Like the weekend. It's really week on week with this Kilkenny team. They annihilated Dublin. Uh, they played a direct ball, which they didn't get really much. Um, uh, Dublin didn't really put them up to them at all there um, at the back. And Kilkenny uh, just drove right through them. But Wexford, in fairness to them, came out Saturday night, uh, dropped back O'Keefe, uh, played more of a kind of a defensive system, like they're kind of used to before. You know, lads were giving out about Davy, about how they set up. But maybe that's the way Wexford have to play, you know. Uh, attack from deep and, and drop back and Kilkenny just were sixes or sevens I felt and they went back to what we discussed before about just lumping ball into the full forward line and uh, not get much result from it but in two weeks time Gerard I think the whole thing is it's going to be a totally different game you know this championship is just so much on momentum and gaining new players and players coming into form and the mentality of week on week games the psychology of coming off a big massive results one weekend going into maybe a lesser game the weekend after how do you approach it there's so many things going on behind the scenes in, in around Robin it, it's, it's just so hard to call week on week So you're not reading too much into Kilkenny's performance? Um, look I don't want to be kind of turning sideways and saying look it's not a big deal it, it is a big deal um, and the things that came up again was the lack of midfield Um the lack of forward play, like our best forward was nearly Keen Kenny, and he he's he's just a young lad. He's twenty years of age, which is great to see from a Kilkenny's perspective. But you need more out of maybe the own Cody's. You know, TJ Reid was in and out of it. Uh, Billy Ryan came on. You know, it's the old failings, and it's kind of if Kilkenny don't dominate the game physically and don't win the battle. I suppose like all games, if you don't dominate the games, um, you know, in the intense battle, uh, the hard work, the fight. You're not going to win it. And Kilkenny, when they don't do that, they don't win. At the minute, when they do it, they're only winning by three or four points. So when they don't, they're going to be beaten. And that's what I'd be kind of worried about. And Parag Welch only coming on. I don't understand Parag Welch only coming on. Maybe he was injured. There's rumours he was. But if, if my eyes, if you're injured, you're not there. You're, you're not playing. So if you come on, you're not injured. And he came on with only three minutes to go. You know, Walter Welch was started and John Donnelly. There's... 
he hasn't got a settled team and that's what I'm worried about is that because they knew they were already through do we need to sometimes bear that in mind that the psychology of a match where you're going out to physically try and impose yourself on an opponent it's great if you really have something to play for but if you've got not that much to play for you can't just get up to the emotional pitch that you need to get to yeah, uh, absolutely, Jerry. Yeah, um, there's two things on that from my view. I think they they really, really went for Dublin in in Parnell Park because that was a massive, massive game in my eyes. Um, if they lost that game, they were going into Wex or into Nolan Park where they, where they had to win against Wexford. So I think coming out of Dublin, they threw everything at Dublin and they were coming off a bit of a high, giving them a bit of a trimming. And then they, to Kenny's perspective, they were looking at a Wexford side who drew to Westmead. No uh, disrespect to Westmead. Westmead are actually doing very well in this championship after having a great campaign um, and are actually a very good team and are after driving a lot of the, the, the top teams uh, close close to the to the end. But Kenny were looking at probably saying Wexford are after dropping a bit, um, you know, drawing with Westmead, coming into the Lions then, Nolan Park, we should be winning this one. And then from a Wexford perspective, they were coming off the back of they should be beating Westmead. Now they have to win in Nolan Park. So I think the psychology of both teams were at total different spectrums. And Kilkenny were saying, right, we should win it. And Wexford were saying, right, we have to win it. And if you look at Wexford lately, they do not fear coming to Nolan Park whatsoever. They don't fear Kilkenny anymore as much as they did. They have been beating them underage. So they were well up for this game. And, you know, listen to Davy Fitz even last night there. He was saying that, these boys don't fear Kilkenny at all and, and they would have um, they, they would have expect, expected to be Kilkenny even at, at times so psychology of games different weekends that's what I talked about beforehand it's hard to balance it I think last weekend as well we wrote off the league entirely we said if you look at Leinster you look at Munster the league just does not matter whatsoever and one of those storylines was Wexford after the draw with West Meath so all of a sudden are we looking at some of the things that happened to Wexford in the league on a positive level and saying okay those storylines are absolutely maintaining it, their way through the championship now and Wexford absolutely have a chance of of, of going maybe to, to an All-Ireland semi-final at least here Yeah as I said Wexford are, are a bit of a conundrum I, I, to be honest I couldn't see him going to a semi-final mm-hmm. I think Wexford are a type of a team that if they get all their balls in place and if they get the right team and if they get a bit of luck on the day and every one of them play really well and they get their strategy good that they can beat any team on their day. But I think consistently, they're not good enough to, we- to win week on week. They just haven't got the players. And I-, I don't know if they have the actual kind of mentality to, to kind of put it up to the team week on week. Physically, I think they're not up to it. But in saying that, they could beat any team on their day. But they fancy themselves against a Clare team coming off a beating from Limerick. Would they fancy themselves against a Limerick team coming off a beating from Clare? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. No, I, I-, I wouldn't think so. Um as I said, I think they're very lucky to get through. I think they know themselves they're very lucky to get through. Um, they'll be probably playing a, a Joe McDonough team now, which which will probably suit them. They'll get, they'll get a bit of momentum there. But I just don't think it's, it's in them to, to get past the, the bigger teams. Like there's, re, there's teams in the championship now, Ger, and they're really beginning to get momentum. Like If you look at the Munster Championship and the Leinster Championship, the three teams coming out of Munster will be very, very happy the way they've come out of it. Like If you look at a Cork, they've really, really changed their whole season around. And if anything, all the negative talk and all the kind of chat beforehand about how Cork are going, they, they, that's after uni, unifying this Cork team, I feel. And yes, they've absolutely made changes. They've, they've changed their game plan. Um, they've gone more direct. And we've always talked about Cork being a summer team. And if you look at the way the championship is, realistically, it's only kind of coming into summer now, even though 
the championship is nearly halfway over but it's the 23rd of May but the ground is going to harden up it's going to be a summer atmosphere and that's where Cork really relish and then if you look at Clare they've just come out of the blue like who would have said that Clare would have topped the, topped the group and in a Munster final and they made six changes the weekend um, obviously Lohan um, took the game uh, very importantly because the Munster final at stake but still he said to his players that there's places up for grabs they didn't drop at intensity whatsoever, so they're in a great position. And then if you look at Limerick, um, they've, they, they're unbeaten. Uh, they were without players like Galan at stages. They were out Kyle Hayes, uh, Keen Lynch, but they're still unbeaten and they're still in a Munster final. You know, and from a Leinster point of view, if you look at them teams, Kilkenny they're, they're hitting Mesa Smallish. Galway are kind of stumbling over teams, but still winning. Um, and, and Wexford barely, barely got through. So. I think on a, on a Leinster point of view, the teams would be kind of maybe wor- a small bit more worried about th- their form. But in saying that, one game could just change the whole thing. Those concerns that you have on Wexford in particular about the physicality and the mentality in those big games, did, did Saturday not change that at all in your view? The fact that like Lee Chin had one of his best games in a while for, for Wexford it's starting as well yeah that, that's that's a huge addition and they needed to win like they, this like you say Kilkenny had nothing to play for like there was there was a permutation that Kilkenny could have got eliminated from Leinster so it wasn't like they were completely up against a, a lame duck at the weekend is, is, is there nothing that you saw on Saturday that, that would made, make you question just the, those questions you would have had around that, that Wexford mentality Oh no, absolutely, yeah. And, and it, Kilkenny, I didn't mean to say that Kilkenny had nothing to play for. Kilkenny absolutely had something to play for. Um, you know, uh, Wexford were coming, first of all, were coming to Nolan Park, which I know for a fact Cody would have talked about it and said, this is the Lions Den. No one bullies us on our own patch. All them statements would have been made in the dressing room. And, and, they, still, and they still beat Kilkenny. Um, but what I'm saying about Wexford is, yes, on their day, that when they're playing the bigger teams, they can absolutely build momentum and get up to that tier. But I think to get up for one for, to, to up for one victory and beat them, that's nearly sufficient for Wexford. And I don't think they have the the, the players or or even look the physicality or the mentality to go on and win a semi final. Because if you have to think of the other teams as well, they'll be building, building, and building, and they'll be coming with the same mentality. It's coming to knockout stages now, and as we've seen, teams with their backs against the wall tend to kind of play better. There's more of a fight in them. There's more of an intensity to them. So I think whoever Wexford are going to play next will be coming in the same boat as, say, Wexford will be as well. So you'll have, say, the McDonough teams, you'll have maybe the Munster teams. Everyone now is going to be building momentum. Everyone's back is against the walls. It's do or die now at this stage, nearly in the championship. And I think Wexford won't be getting up to the same level as the other teams. Let's talk a little bit about what happened to Waterford. What did happen? What, what's your instinct about what's gone on there over the last six, six, eight weeks? Is it since we were like, oh... This guy's yeah. potential manager of the year material. Everything's going great. They've they've got the club monkey off their back. They've got a national title. They've got the deepest panel we've ever seen them have. It's it's phenomenal. Um, I I I really don't know what's after happening in Watford, and it's 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 massive. It's it, it's really huge. Like if you look at Tipperary, right? They have from one um, a match in the championship. But they've lost so many players. They had a new management in place. Um, you know, they, they have new lads on the block that have to make their names yet. But as you said, Ger, with, with, with Watford, they had everything in place. They had a manager of Liam Cal, really good manager. We talked about him. Three years on the run. The, the only thing I can I can probably see, and now you'd love to know what's inside the camp about, you know, what's going on. You'd imagine it was happy after the league final. Even the way he took the cup in the league final, he was kind of saying, yeah, better things down the line. We we're expecting it. 
and it never came to fruition. And I just think, were they overtrained? Um, did they peak too soon um, with, the, with the new structure in, in the year? Um, there's a lot of injuries. You know, De Burke went off uh, early with a kind of muscle injury. Jamie Barron went off injured uh, with, with a muscle injury. Um, just It just looked like they peaked too soon. And I think with Waterford as well, um, they had no consistency in the picking of their team. So their team has been changed around an awful lot. And you know, De Burke went back full-back, Austin Cleese at centre-back, Jamie Barron corner forward. Stephen Bennett totally went out of the, went out of the scene altogether. You know, it's, it's just so hard to put your finger on it because it was just going so, so well. So, like, were they overtrained? Did they peak too soon? Did they did they, did they think they were a team that were kind of, did they get ahead of themselves? You know, were, were they humble enough to take victory and no one was coming down, down the blocks? But they really just looked disjointed. We talked about a panel. You'd wonder about the iron fist and the way it's managed. And Liam Cal, we tend to know, does manage with kind of an iron fist and look, it's his way or, or the highway. And rightly so, he is the manager. But players have to buy into that as well. And players maybe not starting yeah, it's fine when you're winning and things like that. But then there's rumblings kind of... Well, let me, let me, let me specifically ask you about those because a big deal was made in the aftermath about the team being leaked. Like, mm. teams... I don't know if, if teams being leaked is a big deal or not. A team goes in the middle of the week for publication in the match programme and players get informed. They tell their family. They tell people close to them. I'd say most counties most teams most weeks somebody somewhere knows the team uh, is it that big a deal like if if they'd won that game yesterday would we be talking about this or is it actually sacrosanct you tell nobody and it's a real sign that something has been breached what's your what's your take on that yeah my take on it lads would be there'll be something in it um, I do think there's something in it I think yeah teams get out uh, different teams get out but I, I, I just suppose I just remember back in my day I would have never told the team. Um, I would have never heard the team back from somebody else. Um, so I think there is something in it. And I think th- the big thing about that, telling the team is not a big deal. It- it's it's breaking the dressing room code, I suppose. That-, that That's what you're really talking about. And the spirit in the dressing room. And I think there there is something in it. And I think bre- letting the team out, yeah, teams get out. But I think it's more so, so it's kind of a coating. Now, that wouldn't have been said in the dressing room, but it's easy to say it after the game that team is leaked. And I think it's John Bonham was saying it. But, like, I think there is something in it. And I wonder what else was leaked maybe during the week or what was said or, or, or what wasn't been said. But, as I said, it's easy to say it now when, when they're after been losing. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. Um, okay, that's interesting that there, you think there is something in it. Then the, the other I, thing, I think there is. The other thing that I was, like, I, I, I think Liam Cowell's going to end up being a great manager and it, it, mm. it might not be with this group of players. I do feel like sometimes you can try and fix something that's gone wrong but this isn't football they're not professionals and when when something like this happens if you go back one one last year it can frequently be a lost year where you're trying loads of different things you're making accommodations you're going against your own instinct that actually the best thing for him might be to step away and say I'm going to have to learn from this experience whatever it was that went wrong but I'm not going to be able to do it with these players I don't know, again, what your instinct is and whether or not he should have one more crack at it and try and fix what happened, or if that's actually just spending good money after bad. Yeah, my my initial gut is telling me it's probably time to step away um, because I just think he had everything in place and I just think it was, it was set up for him. Now, it's easy me saying that, and I think Liam Cowell would be a great manager, but it's also a big learning curve 
uh, for Liam. This is um, his first real inter-county um, senior team. Yeah, he's done really good underage. Uh, he's done really good with Tipperary underage. But this is a different level. And I suppose it, it's massive It's massive to learn. You really you need to know what's been happening in the camp, how training has been going, what the vibe in training has been, what the body language in training. And um, I think the Cork game last weekend really took the wind out of their sail. Um, that was a must win uh, for both teams. And they went to Walsh Park and, and Cork annihilated them. And I think that really, really was a sucker punch of where do we go from here? They had seven days to recover. Um, you know, mentality-wise, we talked about already, psychology-wise, coming down off a game like that, building yourself back up. And when there's doubts in your team, it just it, it just sets the tone for, for the whole panel. And then maybe, as we talked about, the, the physical side of it, being overtrained and, and maybe a bit of tiredness, it all accumulates. And that's how management is just so such a fine line. And it's, it's a learning curve for Liam. As I said, there'll be a lot of people talking this morning about where did it go wrong. We'll have all the experts. And it's just so hard to put your finger on it. But really, you have to be in the dressing room and you have to get the vibe. There's a vibe in the air in dressing rooms that you can just pick up on. And I'd love to know what the vibe was all week. If Waterford want to learn from the mistakes of this year, is Liam Cahill not the best man to help them learn from those mistakes next season, given he would have been partly responsible for them? Yeah, possibly, yeah. Um, I suppose I did kind of say maybe this time time to walk away, but he's, he's there three, weir- three years. But yeah, in saying that, maybe he'll see the, 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 the mistakes that they did make and things that they need to work on. I'd love to see Watford in the league next year, uh, you know, how importantly Lose they, every they game. take it. They, you know, they, they take it. This is it. And about resting, they talk about a panel. Like maybe they like to tie the burka and um, you know Jamie Barr and Gleeson these lads. Maybe they just need a bit of a break. They're going to get a break now. They're going to get a six months break uh, till to, to January, literally. Um, I know they're back in November and stuff, but you know, do they just need a rest and a break? And maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe Liam is the man to come back and just make one more crack at it and learn from his lessons and and take on next year. But there'll be an awful lot of pressure on Watford next year and Liam Cal next year and do Watford deal that well or pressure I'm, I'm not so sure but another management could take, destroy the whole thing again The other factor in all of this is the potential of external forces here which weren't strong enough to lure Liam Cahill away to Tipperary last year like at a Tip County board monitoring the situation and see the value in Liam Cahill and see the age profile of their current team and think now could be the time to, to try and strike while the iron is hot or, or do they trust Bonner to kind of take them into, into next year themselves and, and continue their path from, from, from this low base they're at? Yeah, I, th- I think they'll have to trust Bonner really. Um, you know, there was talks about Liam Cahill going in last year and the county board beat them and stuff and, and Liam going to, um, to Waterford. So that was probably a statement from Liam in itself now I can see Liam obviously um, training temporary at some stage um, but I think it's it's up to Bonner Bonner took on the mantle um, he's at the blood in a, a lot of players and I, th- I think for me uh, they should stick with Bonner rather than just like to be fierce unfair to get rid of Bonner just after one year um, you know in, in the championship where he didn't even win a match so he'll want another cracker as well and you know, how, how, how did the county board take Liam Cal not taking the Tipperary job? Like, it's a massive opportunity. It was um, your own county, and he still went with Watford. So would they be too keen to ask Liam back? Uh, maybe not. I'm not too sure. Uh, and the flip side of it is, Liam has trained a lot of these players that are coming into the Tip team now. They've trained a minor. He trained him under 31. So he knows these guys. So would he be the best man? But for me, I believe in Bonner there, absolutely. Uh, can I just ask then on, on Cork? If you were a Cork player, a member of the Cork management right now, would you be more confident of 
of them winning in All Ireland this year than last year. Granted, they were in the final last year, but but got annihilated. Does it feel that they've made that step forward over the last two weeks alone? <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it is crazy. You know, like two. Weeks, I, I actually had written down there. I think a few weeks ago that um, the best players weren't getting on the ball. They were too slow. They weren't direct enough. They weren't scoring goals. And all of a sudden, in two weeks, the whole thing has just changed. Like, it's not as if I gave the sheet to Kingston right now and he looked at it and said, oh, I made the change on these. But it, it, it is amazing. And I do think they're in a better position, uh, team-wise, because of all the controversy at the beginning of the year. Um, Tipperary in 2010 uh, got annihilated by Cork in, in a Munster semi-final, I think it was. And there were talks about that they were finished, that they were done, and they went on and won the the All Ireland, beating ourselves uh, for the five in a row that year, and um, turned out to be a phenomenal phenomenal team. So I think the biggest thing for Cork this year was all the negative talk, all the way they're playing is not is not the way they play, and uh, they're not good enough. I think that will um, set a bit of steel in them, set a bit of fight in them, and you know what? It's nearly Cork against the rest of the country now, you know, and I know that feeling, you know. Um, and they're really after changing their game. They, they did. They're, they're gone direct. They're getting goals. They have they have an out ball now in, in Connolly there. Um, you know, and the ground is going to be hardening, and they're going to be getting into bigger pitches. And I think with that, with the momentum and everything else that's gone behind the scenes, I think they'll really be really hard team to beat now. All of a sudden. And the schedule is pretty good for them. You can see how they could easily build in over the next while. Whereas actually being in a Munster final and losing that game, not great for the morale and the confidence. Or else Andrew will just beat them. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah, imagine that. But very twenty twenty two. I think it's great. I think the Munster final. I don't think Cork like win the Munster final is great, but I don't think that's their ambition. And I think they'll have a great run in uh, meeting uh, one of the, the Joe McDonough teams, get more momentum, and, and be flying come a quarter final stage. Owen is uh, yarring the Joe McDonough final but there. I think the draw. No, I think the draw's been done All because right, so we already know. I, I think it's going to be Kerry Wexford and Antrim Cork, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then obviously if uh, Kerry win the McDonough Cup so you don't get a reward for winning the I would think because it's it's a Munster versus a Leinster team technically Antrim okay. being a Leinster team it's got to be I think that's it I'm 90% sure it's just like the Nations League it's very obvious uh, Taggy good stuff thanks a million thanks guys Aidan Taggy forward giving us his thoughts this morning on a wild weekend in the hurling in some ways and also it was good that they managed to get everything done dusted in the first 15 minutes so that you could just yeah. take over and watch the football yeah, that was it. So you, you like, hang on. Dual screen on the football then. Uh, hang on. What? This game's over. Once the penalty was saved and the goal went in the other end, you're like, okay, Grant, game over. Yeah, like it does. It, it, there was such uh, possibilities for drama at the weekend and Galway being way too good for Dublin really eradicated any real drama on Saturday night because there were nine points apiece at one stage, well into the first half. You were kind of seeing it on the bottom of the screen on Sky Sports and you thought, wow, Kilkenny could be going out here, which would have been sensational if Dublin managed to kick on and then yesterday was just a non-event. But it does get you really, really excited for what's about to come this summer.